You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. We thank God for His amazing grace. We did the first part of the message last week. I'm going to finish up the message today. And I don't think I'm going to be much more than 15 minutes, okay? So let's see if we can do that. It is 10.36, okay. Um, I've entitled the message, Good News. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. There's nothing worse than after you've been set free to go back into that same old mess that you came out of. Amen? So our first message in this series talked about the importance of walking in grace. We define grace, I think, uh, Probably even overdefined it. We tried to make it as simple as possible anyway. And uh, we talked about uh, grace, uh, walking in grace, uh, versus having a, a performance-based walk. Today we're going to address the issue of our freedom in Christ. Uh, first of all, before I get started as well, there's a, a man who uh, frequented this church on a, on a very, very steady basis until lately. His name was Raymond. You remember those two tall uh, Aboriginal brothers that would come? His, uh, Remy, his twin brother, passed away about a year, two years ago. And uh, uh, Raymond passed away uh, this past week. And uh, he died of cancer. And, but we know that he loved the Lord. I prayed with him often. He shared his problems and, and addictions with me. But he had made a commitment to the Lord. And, and so we're thankful that uh, God is the judge. He's the final judge. And I believe that uh, the God of this world, as Abraham said, will do right. Amen? So thank God that we had an opportunity to have an input into his life. And he felt comfortable enough to call this his church home. Amen. So praise the Lord. Uh, pray for his family and his friends and that more and more people will come to know the truth. In him, and that is in Christ, all fear and worry and guilt are replaced by peace, and liberty and forgiveness. Jesus introduced his ministry to us this way. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18 to 19, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. 
Jesus came to bring good news and to set people free. Free from the bondage of sin. Free from all kinds of addictions. Amen? And people all over the world are receiving this freedom this very day. Amen? And people who will be baptized this morning will be able to proclaim that Christ has set them free. Amen? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, the words that I speak, they are life. He said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In John 8, 36, he said, if the Son will set you free, you will be free indeed. I thank God for that freedom. I thank God. You know, I was given a, a, one of those little bracelets that you put on your arm. I don't have it on this morning, but when I wake up, I check it. And it says my mood. It tells me my mood. And my mood is calm. You know, very seldom. Sometimes it goes to tired, but most of the time it says calm. You know why that is? Because there is a peace of God that passes all understanding that fills my heart and life. I want you to know that as a lead pastor in any church, you're not supposed to be calm. But there's something about when you put your faith and your trust in the Lord, that you don't get rattled over all of the things that happen around you. And you can just receive his love and his mercy, his forgiveness, his comfort, his peace in every situation. So don't relinquish your freedom. The freedom that Christ has given you, don't give up on that. Amen? <clears throat> what is freedom? To most of us, it means the ability to do as we please. But that's not real freedom. Our natural desires can lead us to be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. How many people, after giving up smoking, saw someone else light up and you felt, oh my, I'd sure like... I sure like a, just one little draw. How many people, after giving up drinking, see someone else with a glass and imagine what that tastes like? It's easy to get pulled back into the old way of living. And we are continuously bombarded by things that bring to our memory the things that we enjoyed in our former life but was not good for us. Isn't that right? Am I the only one that uh, feels that way? I don't think so. Natural desire is part of our sinful nature or also referred to as the flesh. 
True freedom in, is freedom in, in, in Christ, freedom in the Spirit, doing what pleases God, not what pleases me. But you know something? When you decide to live for Christ and decide to live by his word, that's the things that pleases you. And so the things that pleases you lines up with what pleases God. And that makes a whole lot of difference in your life. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18, I say then, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary or in conflict with one another. And you and I are continuously faced with those two battles, that battle that is going on. So these, when these things are happening, many times you do not do the things that you wish to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You're not governed by, by legalism, and you're not governed by the potency to sin. Real freedom in Christ is being led by the Holy Spirit. There is no real freedom outside of freedom in Christ. It's a counterfeit freedom. All other ways lead to being forced to act against your spirit man. That's bondage. If we will live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Galatians 5.26 says, If we will live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. There are two strong issues in play here. The flesh and the spirit. It has to do with legalism and misuse of the gospel of grace. Both are dangerous traps to become yokes of bondage for us. The book of Galatians is called for freedom from the Mosaic law. In chapter 6, Paul explains that everyone trying to live by the law is under a curse. And Christ became a curse for us. So that same blessing given to Abraham may now be given to all who believe true grace. The purpose of the law was to lead us to Christ so that we might be justified by faith. If we belong to Christ, then we are, the Bible says, heirs according to the promise. Joint heirs with Jesus Christ. No wonder we rejoice when we're in worship service and shout and clap our hands. We don't do that because we've got to. We could do that because we feel like it. Amen? And we have the liberty to do that in this church. No one's going to think you're strange if you shout hallelujah in this assembly. Amen? Legalism is anything we do or don't do in order to earn God's favor. God loves you. He cares about you. He's got your best interest at heart. And so, legalism consists of conformity to man-made religious rules. 
That was the big problem that Jesus had with the, with the scribes and the Pharisees. It wasn't they're adhering to God's law. But they had included man's law and mixed it in with God's law and made it corrupt. Like the one man who Jesus referred to who was praying. Lord, I thank you that I'm not like others. I fast and I pray and I give. Jesus pointed out to another man who said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, now that's the man. The man who said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Not try to, to show how great he was living and how good he was, how good a neighbor he was, how good a citizen he was, and how good a religious man he was. He said, this man cried out and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's the man that went to his home blessed. So, avoid legalism. Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Legalism requires a conformity to the do's and don'ts of our particular Christian circle. You know something? You could go to a dozen churches and they will have different rules. This one, the one down the street, the one across the street, every one of them, every one of us have different rules. And we expect you to abide by, the, by those rules. Amen? We try to force this legalism on others or allow others to force it on us. It is conformity to how other people think we should live instead of how the Bible tells us to live. And I am constantly telling you, get into your Bible, read it, know it. So that when somebody comes up with a rule, you don't feel condemned because you're not following that rule. But you're, you're following what the Word of God says. Jesus' charge against the Pharisees is still valid today. There are many ways in which we have a tendency to fall into legalism. For instance, in Romans chapter 14, verse 5, Paul talks about one of those cases when he says one person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. And then he says, let each one fully be fully convinced in his own mind. You try to please people, you're going to live a miserable life. Amen? You're not going to be able to do it. Everyone won't agree with you. You can do everything that one man wants you or one pastor wants you to do, and you're on the outs with the other one. Legalism happens when we try to enforce our convictions on others for the sake of conformity and acceptance, not because God's word says it. Now, I'm going to finish up here right quick. The grace of God is not a license to sin. 
We've got great freedom. But it's not a license of sin. Jude chapter 4, in the New Living Translation, Keith, or uh, Kirk, I say this, because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. Amen? I love quoting the Bible because I don't have to apologize for it. When I go off onto my rabbit trail sometimes, I can say some things that, oops, I shouldn't have said that. And if you're really paying attention, sometimes you could call me on it. The grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness. That's what it says. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 14. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, our God, great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for all of us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Born-again people should be dead to sin and alive to God. His grace, working in our lives, will produce the fruit of the Spirit rather than the lust of the flesh. And the Bible tells us what that fruit is. Amen? Now the works of the flesh is evident. Galatians 5, 19, 23. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, reveries, all the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. These are things to avoid. There is no teaching in religion or denomination that can change this. We can change our constitutions. We can change our statements of faith. But what the Bible has said stands forever. Amen? This issue is settled in heaven, and now we need to settle it in our own hearts. Okay? So, so this is what the Bible says. Psalm 119.89 Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Mark 13, 31, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will by no means pass away. Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass weathers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. 1 Peter 1, 23, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Uh, John chapter 17, verse 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Is there any argument 
that God's word is what we should go by. Amen? If I practice the works of the flesh, I need not expect to spend eternity in heaven. The key word there is practice. Okay? If I continue to practice doing these sort of things, then I am not really living a Christian life. And so we will stand before the judge one day. And the Bible clearly tells us that no sin is going to enter heaven. Okay. So the grace of God has been extended to us so that we should repent, turn away from sin. This new life in Christ that we now live is described as walking in the Spirit, producing good fruit as proof that we are born again. Galatians 5, 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you today for your precious word. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we have heard your word, we believe your word, and those who hear and believe are set free. And those who you set free are, as your word says, free indeed. So, Lord, we ask that you make this word real to our hearts. And now, Lord, as we go into the baptismal service, I pray that your Holy Spirit will do the rest. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.